It's our, our, our series entitled New. Uh, it's for a new year. It's a new series. We've been talking about new for the last three weeks. In fact, we've been talking about new faith. Week two, we talked about new fitness. And in week last week, we talked about new finances. Have you been getting anything from this message so far? You know, we've, we've talked about how God didn't come to just improve your life. He came to make you new. The Bible actually says, and it's our key verse for the series from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. Say brand new. Brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Jesus died on the cross to make you new, not improved. Amen? So the reason I said that so strong is because some of us here today need to latch on to that. You, you need to get a grip on that. You need to say, you know what, I, I, I got to have me some of that. Some of this new stuff. You follow me? Because we've been content with just kind of, I'm getting better. He's improving my life. When in reality, you have been made new. In his eyes, according to how he sees you, you are new. The difference maker is when we start acting new. Right? And that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is, is really living a new life. And we, we talked about how if you're ever going to change anything externally, you got to first start on the inside. If you know Jesus, you know that Jesus doesn't come and try to fix up your outside and then get to your heart. He wants to get to your heart. And the result of him changing your heart is that the outside becomes new. Amen. So you don't have to make those old decisions anymore. You don't have to go hang out with those old people anymore. You don't have to be out of shape like you used to be anymore when you change your heart. Right? When God gets a hold of your heart. The only way Pastor Jamie ever overcame drugs and pornography and all the ruthless, toothless things I used to do was because he did an inside job on me. There was plenty of people standing in line telling me what I needed to quit doing. The problem was there wasn't enough people standing in line to tell me who I needed to be talking to or who I need to be trusting. Right? He wants to start on the inside. You need to remember that if you want to have the best 2014 possible, then you need to have the best 2014 spiritually. This is this needs to be your greatest year spiritually. And I hope you get that from these these four weeks of of talking about new is that in order to have the best year possible, you need to get closer to God than you've ever been. You hear us say all the time around here that that you're as close to God as you want to be. Unfortunately, as a pastor, I can't get you any closer to God. I physically could push you or I could send you to heaven, but you know, we're not going to do that. But, you know, I could, but it's not going to do any good. Right. It's a choice you have to make. Amen. So a Christian is not someone who comes to church regularly. A Christian is not someone that only listens to Christian music. Right. A Christian is someone who becomes brand new on the inside. Somebody that starts producing fruit and it's good lasting fruit. That's how you know that really, that's the only way the Bible says that we can know if somebody is a, is a believer or a Christian is, is by examining their fruit, right? I mean, you, you, if you come, if you're new to this church, the only way you're going to know if, if I'm legitimate as a pastor and a man of God, if I'm legitimate is you got to look at my fruit. If you came here just because I might preach halfway good, then you're here for the wrong reason. Amen? You need to be looking at my fruit. 
this is some of my fruit. Right? I can't claim to be a man of God and my relationships are bad. Come on. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to show you how this kind of works and how it all started. And today we're going to talk about new friends. Some of you need to get some new friends. And it's not that you just go exchange the old ones for some new ones, but you need to get a different perspective on the relationships you have. Amen. So we're going to talk about godly seed. We're going to back up into Genesis for a minute. I want you to hang with me. We're going to get a little bit deep, but I want you just to get get the, the simple part of this. Genesis chapter one, starting at verse 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. In other words, God, when God created the, the earth, he, in the plants and the trees and the vegetation, he put seeds that when those things came up, they had seeds to reproduce. You follow me? I'm trying, I'm going to try to keep it simple. My, my new word is practicalize. I'm going to try to practicalize this for you the best I can this morning. But when God was creating the tree, he put a seed in the tree. So when that tree grew, it would drop a seed that would then grow again. Amen. The reason I've got pretty live oak trees in my front yard is because God made seed. He made the tree with a seed in it. And now today I can enjoy the shade and the pleasures of live oak trees because God created a tree with a seed in it. That kept reproducing from generation to generation to generation to generation. You you with me? So this means that God, God, whatever God creates, he wants it to reproduce. Amen. And it's this, this is the key. It's going to reproduce in its own likeness. Right. In other words, uh, St. Augustine grass is going to reproduce St. Augustine grass, right? Live oak tree ain't going to make a pine tree. That's afflicted as we used to say back in the day. Let's continue. It says, and it was, and it was so the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. God said, this is good. So God designed or God's design for living creatures has always been to multiply. He's always wanted us to multiply from the very first day. He wanted us to multiply. Say that. Let me say multiply. Multiply. You are going to multiply. One way or the other. You need to get that this morning. Somebody need to write that down. You are going to multiply. You're going to reproduce yourself good or bad. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm, I'm planting seeds. Trees cross-pollinate and therefore produce other trees. When they get close to each other, things happen. You're right. You with me? There's a cross-pollination that happens. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You need to know this, that everything becomes everything that becomes intimate reproduces. Genesis 1, 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and, and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature 
that moves on the ground. The very first thing that God commanded Adam and Eve to do was what? Be fruitful, produce fruit, and multiply. You with me? Just like with the tree. When the tree comes up, it has a seed inside of it that falls to the ground and then reproduces another. When God looks at you, he says, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. In other words, I want you to be righteous and I want you to multiply that righteousness. Amen? If he just wanted you to multiply, he'd have just said, well, then just multiply. Good or bad, just, I just want you guys to multiply. But instead, he said, be fruitful. And multiply. This is the first command that God gave us was to be fruitful and multiply. He knew that we would multiply physically, but he also knew that there would be a transference of who we are to the next generation. So what does that mean? Let me practicalize that for you real quick. Stand up, Virginia. Come see. You didn't know you were preaching today. So you look beautiful. This is my fruit. This is my first fruit. Okay. What I am and what Cheryl is today is being multiplied into Virginia. Our attitude, are you with me? The lack of or the, or the, or the abundance of, of gratitude is going to be found in her. What's funny is, is that as she gets older and she makes statements or she catches attitudes, a lot of times I want to jump on her and correct her and I go, oh man, that sounds like her mama. No, I'm joking. <laughs> You know, just picking girl. You, 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 come on. But I go, man, that sounds just like me. And so then I go, how can I correct that when I'm multiplying that? Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. You look very lovely today. She is my fruit. I've got, I've got three. My pastor has six. I mean, he took God serious. I took God half serious. Pastor Zach is trying to pass up his daddy. I mean, it's number four. I guess I should have meditated on that scripture a little bit more. But God wants us to multiply. And there's going to be a transference that takes place. In other words, there's a transfer. What I am transfers into my seed. Come on. Last week, I told you how sugarcane farmers will cut down the best that, they, that they've grown to turn around and replant it. Why? Because they want to replant the best. Amen? So what we need to do as, as, as Christians and as believers is we need to constantly becoming better, more fruitful, so that we can continue to produce better fruit in the people we're dropping seeds into. Does that make sense? Good. Thank you. This is why we hate divorce. This is why we hate when when divorce happens. Because when divorce happens, all of this gets broken, right? Because God said, I put the two of you together. I'm going to show you a scripture in a minute. I put the two of you together because I want you to produce some good godly fruit. And listen to me, if you've been divorced, there's no condemnation. I didn't say that to make you feel bad. I'm just making a point. that that's That's what gets broken when that happens. Amen? Watch this in Malachi. Chapter 2. Malachi, if you know anything about the book of Malachi, it's full of questions. It's full of, uh, where are you, God? Why does your world look this way? And, and why won't you answer our prayer? So Malachi is only four chapters long, and it's basically there to answer questions. Watch what Malachi 2 says, starting in verse 13. We're talking about friends. We're talking about relationships this morning. 
Relationships are important. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? In other words, they're saying, why don't you answer our prayers, Lord? Is what they're saying. Why, why don't you answer us? Watch what, watch what the Lord responds with. Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. Hey, let me tell you something. If you're not taking care of your spouse, this works both ways. Man, husband to wife and wife to husband. If you're not taking care of your second most important relationship on the planet, don't expect God to answer your prayers. Seriously. Man, if you're not breathing life into your wife, if you listen, if there's some things you don't like about your wife, don't constantly beat her over the head about what she's doing wrong. You need to turn it around and you need to start breathing some life into her and then encourage her to change and speak over her some truths. Come on and encourage her. Amen. Instead of complaining about her. And it works both ways. If you don't like the way your husband is, then pray for him and encourage him and help them. My wife helped me. She told me I can't buy orange shirts anymore because it doesn't match my skin. You see, I didn't know that. I mean, if she wouldn't have told me that, I would be here with a bright orange shirt on thinking I looked good. And it would be clashing with my skin color. You know what I mean? Help me. I hope you're praying for me. But you really need to pray for my wife. She's got the harder job. But he says, because the Lord has been witness, he's witnessing you dealing with your wife treacherously. You know, let me just break down that word treacherous for you for a minute. Let me define that. It means to treat someone or be guilty of traitorous. That means you're disloyal. That means you're faithless. You're false. You're unfaithful. Backstabbing. I like this one. Weasley. Two-faced. Double crossing. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> I don't have to look at you. <laughs> God's looking at you. Wow, isn't that, isn't that strong? I mean, you know, when I, when I studied this, I went, oh, man, that's... I mean, honestly, those words are like a punch in the nose. Two-faced. Double crossing, weaselly. Man. So I started examining all my relationships. Man, where have I been two faced? Where have I been double crossing? You, you know what that looks like, right? That's when you tell them, hey, how you doing? All right, good to see you. And they walk on you. Did you hear what they did? Can you believe? Come on, we'll try to spiritualize that. God, I've been praying for them. Let me tell you what I've been praying for them for. Mm-hmm. And you give them all the details. Relationships are spiritual. I want you to get that today. Relationships are spiritual. And they're important. In God's eyes, relationships are important. 
There's people in your life that, let me tell you something, God handpicked them and put them right up against you. We call that spiritual sandpaper sometimes. And some of you got some people that are real fine grit and they're there just to kind of polish your life up a little bit. And then you got some and they're just like the roughest grit made and everything they say, do when they breathe, it rubs against you. Anybody got friends like that? Oh, y'all are quick to, (laughs) hopefully that's not me. But relationships are important. Listen, I thank God for the hard grit relationships that I've had in my life. You know why? Because it's not allowed me to be who I've always been. God uses people to change us. Amen? I went into business with a business partner. We are polar opposites. I'm 100 miles an hour. I can get 20,000 things done in a day. He's meticulous. He wants to figure it out, think about it. And he wants to get that one thing done today. I'm going, huh? And he's looking at me going, And God put us together for nine years and we rubbed each other raw and raw and just rubbed. And and I'm like, why can't he speed up? And he's going, why can't he slow down? He makes too many mistakes. I'm like, he never makes a mistake. It's because he ain't doing nothing. You don't make mistakes if you're not doing nothing. Down, boy, down. (laughs) You're dead. Stay dead. Yes, still multiplying. God's not answering their prayers because they're not treating their relationship with respect. He's not, you're not treating it with respect. I just, I just believe that right now the Holy Spirit is just beginning to minister to some of you here today. And he's just, he's just reminding you of some relationships that are still kind of left open. Some relationships are like, sometimes they're like scars and, and they've been, the, the skin's been knocked off in the relationship and it, it's never had anything put on it. It's never been cleaned and it's, it's never been with a little bit of ointment on it and it's never been covered. And, and listen to me, what you need to do today, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, you need to go and you need to make those relationships right. Listen to me, go make them right. One time I went to make a relationship right. And it blew up in my face. And, and you, but you know what happened is I, I didn't stop. I didn't stop praying for that person. I went to their house. I was, my heart was, I, was, I prayed the whole way. I'm like, Lord, please, please help me to make it right. And I went over there. And I was in the right the whole time. And I went over and I said, hey, man, listen, I want to talk to you. And he looked at me and goes, I ain't got nothing to say to you, man. And he turned around and drove off. Two years later. Calls me up out the blue. First words on the phone. He called me Bubba. He says, Bubba, I just got to tell you, I'm sorry. I hadn't talked to him in two years. Bubba, I just got to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I went. Relationships are spiritual. They're important. Let's keep reading. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Man, let me tell you something. If the enemy's after anything today, he is after your marriage. He's after your second most important relationship on the planet. He wants to tear you and your wife apart. 
Because when he does that, he feels like he's tearing your testimony apart. He feels like he's tearing your life apart. Because he knows that when he gets to your marriage, he can then weasel his way around and get to your relationship with God. Amen? He's coming after your second most important relationship. Then he's coming after your third most important relationship is the one with your children. Nothing on the planet should ever come before one, two, and three. One being God, two being your marriage, three being your children. You should close the door, put up fences with barbed wire at the top that says nothing comes in front of this. Nothing. Because you're not going to be rewarded in heaven for how much money you made. You're not going to be rewarded for moving up the corporate ladder. Or for becoming the best contractor in the state. You're not. You're going to be rewarded for how your marriage went. You're going to be rewarded for your offspring and how that went. The first thing God says is to be fruitful and multiply. Watch this. And the last thing God says into all... To us is, is, is to go into all the nations and make disciples. He says to go multiply. God's a multiplying God. He created the world system to reproduce itself. He created us to reproduce ourselves. Let's go back to that verse. Look at what that verse says. He says, but he did not make them. But did he not make them one having a remnant of the spirit? When you got married, you became one flesh is what the Bible says. It's not you and her or, or you and him. It's y'all. Right? It's y'all. That's how we say it down here. It's y'all. And in y'all is the spirit of God. He put a remnant of his spirit inside of your marriage. And you are one now. Why? So that you could reproduce. Watch what he says. Because he seeks godly offspring. God wants your fruit to be godly. He wants your offspring to be godly. Let me give you the promise. He's given you everything you need to do that. Amen. He's given you everything that you need to do that. By goodness, you got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Come on. He gave you his spirit. To overcome your rotten flesh. So that you could be the best husband. The best father. The best wife. The best mother. He gives it to you. The question is, is what are you doing with it? Are you using the spirit? Or are you trying to do this thing in your own flesh? Because listen, I know where my flesh gets me. If I get in the mud, it gets me deeper in the mud. Right? If I get upset, the flesh gets me more upset. My kids can testify I have lost it on them several times. And I'm not proud of that. But I'm learning to tap into the Holy Spirit whenever I want to lose it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, "Mm mm-mm. Stay right there. Sometimes you just got to walk off and go bark a little bit, right? Come on, somebody. 
My wife and I, we look at each other and go, breathe, just breathe, breathe. And when you're about to lose it, you go, I am breathing. Anyway, pray for me. God wants us to multiply. And he wants that multiplication to be godly. He wants good fruit to come out of your life. Amen? You know why? Because he put good fruit in you. And he wants that to come out of you. It's funny, he starts the whole story saying about relationships that they're spiritual. And he ends the whole story of the book saying that relationships are spiritual. Don't take your relationships for granted. Don't take your friendships for granted. Amen? Don't take them for granted. Let me, let me give you some questions. You might, or let me give you a few little pointers here. Number one says, number one is relationships are spiritual. Relationships are incredibly important. If you're like me and you've messed up some relationships along the way, here's the good news is that God's grace comes and he redeems those things, right? He comes and he can bring forgiveness. You got to humble yourself and you got to go ask for forgiveness, right? You got to admit your wrongs. You got to go to somebody with an attitude that I'm going to, I want to fix this. I want to rekindle. I want to rebuild this relationship that I messed up because in every relationship that's bad, It's not just one person. It's never just one person. Right? There's always two sides of the story. Right? When people come to me and say, Pastor, I got to tell you about so-and-so. They did me wrong. First question I go, okay, well, what did you do wrong? Well, nothing. (laughs) Every generational curse is broken. Come on. Some of you came out of some bad parenting. And when I, when I look at Cheryl and I look at my life and her life and I go and I look at our families, I go, we're, we're new generations. She's a new generation of Fontenot. I'm a new generation of Tyler's. You, you with me? We, we didn't come from godly homes, so say. All right. We didn't come from a place where our parents sowed good seed into us. Right. And some of you are the same way. You came from some pretty bad situations. But let me tell you something. God is raising up a new generation. If you're here today, he wants to raise up something new. Something new inside of you. He wants to start with you. That means he wants to break all those old generational curses. And he wants to turn them around into some generational blessings. Curses last for four years. Blessings last for thousands of years. Come on, somebody. You need to get excited about that. We're new generations. What does that mean? That means Virginia will not have to walk through what I've walked through. Come on. She won't have to battle depression like I did when I was a kid. She won't have to battle being accepted like I was when I was a kid. Because in her house, she is accepted. And it's clear to her that the most important acceptance you get is from God. And he already made his mind up about you. Amen. So she's not worried about being popular. She's not worried about being the the coolest one. She tries to keep up with the latest fashions and that's fine. But she's not doing it to become popular. She's doing it just because she wants to look good. Amen. But you, you know what? In knowing that we're the. 
the new generation, the, the generation that God is transferring or, or turning around. Sometimes I go, man, I look at Cheryl and I don't call her man. I go, baby. Sorry about that. Sometimes I go, baby. I wish our parents would have got this right. Because it's tough. I'll just be honest with you. It's stinking tough. Because this is what happens when you're, when you're in a, a generational transferring like what we're in. Is that you have to now deal with the generational curses that are in your life. And you got to learn how to accept the generational blessings that God's pouring out on you. And so you got one hand that's filled with this and the other hand that's filled with this. And you got these little ones here that you're trying to give them this and not any of this. Right? And you go, God, please break those things. Break those things. And man, he's broken a ton of them in my life. But can I tell you, there's still some things that want to sneak up on me from my daddy. And man, I see it. It's my daddy and it's a spirit. And I'm going, No! At the same time, I'm going, oh, Lord, I want some more. I want some more. I want to bless my kids. But I don't want to treat them the way that I was treated. Right? I don't want to say the things to them that was said to me, you lazy, no good bum. You're good for nothing. I don't use those words. I don't speak that death over them. Right? I don't people that call their kids kuyong. I don't know what that means, but I think it means dummy, stupid. Well, man, you better not call my kid that. Relationships are spiritual and they're important. Your work relationships are spiritual. Your church relationships are spiritual. Your friend relationships are spiritual. Any place that there's a level of intimacy in your life with another human being, it's a spiritual relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. It's important. It has things that affect generations to come. Are you with me? There's things in the relationships with people that you have, those relationships with, there's seeds being dropped. You're trying to sow good seeds. If they're unbelievers and, and everything, they're trying to sow bad seeds. Are you with me? So on the one hand, you've got to guard the seeds they're spitting out while you're trying to throw some seeds underneath. Are you with me? You've got to be careful. They're, they're spiritual. Number two, relationships have lasting impact, good or bad. And let me tell you something. It's easier to pass on the bad than it is the good. Why is it easier to be bad than good? Because in most cases, bad is fun. (laughs) Right? The Bible says that, that sin's fun for a season. Relationships have lasting impact, good or bad. They affect your life. You get around negative people, what's, what's the product? negativity right listen i myself if i get around some negative folk i can hear my thoughts go they start shifting they're not paying me enough at the church they're not giving me enough time off my wife don't meet all my needs i start getting negative if i'm not careful right listen just because i'm pastor jamie doesn't mean i'm exempt just because you got Christian on your on your on you doesn't mean that you're exempt. 
It actually means you're not got a bullseye on you. And all those crazy people are coming after you. Get away! Get away! But your whole life is being shaped by the relationships you choose to have. The closer you are to people, the more impactful it is on your life. Right? I'm going to make this statement. You need to write this down. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Isn't that a good statement? Show me your friends. Let me get to know your friends. And then I'll get to know what your future is going to look like because relationships shape you. Good or bad. Right? They shape you. Listen, if I want to, if I want to be physical or physically fit, fit, if I want to get in shape, I don't know why in the heck I was going that way. If I want to be in shape, get physically, if I want to lose a hundred pounds, all right, I don't need to go get around another 300 pound man that's struggling with the same thing I'm struggling with. Does that make sense? I don't know what happened. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Good or bad, your friendships help mold and shape you into the person you are, even if you don't ask them to. Most of the time, we don't even know it's happening. I laughed the other day. I was talking with Cheryl and I said, uh, I said, you know what's funny? I said, I quit my job and and we become full time pastors and I got a little bit more time on my hands and I try to get a little margin in my life. And I say, what's funny is that all my new friends, if you're a friend of mine, just take this with a grain of salt. They're old guys. God, God's yoked me together with some old guys. Let me tell you what I did Thursday night. Okay. Party night. I went out with the guys. I climbed in a car with three men that were 60 and one guy that was the same age as I was. And we went to a banquet to eat some free jambalaya. And I, I was just, I was I'm riding in the car. I mean, we're having a blast. I mean, I love these guys. They're like my new best friends. We talk about chickens. We talk about pigs. We talk about, I mean, old people talk about stuff and they're funny. And I'm going, man, God. So I sit back and I go, God, why? Why I got these new friends? And this is what he said to me. Because I'm trying to slow you down some. You've been running too wild too long. So I'm yoking you to some good old mules that have been seasoned. And they know how to live this life. And you're over there going, huh? Let me go. Let me go. And they're going, no, nice and steady. Nice and steady. I mean, they invite you to their house to make sausage. Woo! But you know what? I'm thankful. You know why? Because my quality of life is improving. All my young friends, I mean, where are you at, man? What you doing? Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to hang out with Mr. So-and-so. Who's that? That's my old chicken buddy. I mean, you know, we, we talk chickens and relationships have lasting impact. I'm thankful. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm having a blast. I should have started hanging around old people a long time ago. No, you get home for 830. 
Day 30, everybody's like, <gasps> like, <laughs> relationships have lasting impact. You must take relationships seriously because here's why they affect the generations to come. You want to know why I'm thankful for these old guys that have been placed in my life? Because they're slowing me down enough to enjoy life with my son. I'm not running that pace that I was running when I was in business where I didn't have time. And this is what I heard when I was in business. And there's nothing wrong with being in business. You just got to have things right. Is This is what I heard going on in my mind was, you, you get another chance. I'll catch him next week. And, or, or I'll take him hunting next season. Or, or I'll do this next time. And that's what I heard. And that's what I thought. And now it's, it's changing. And because of the relationships I have, God's saying, no, you can do that now. You with me? And because I'm realizing it's important. Because it affects the next generation. You see, there's got to be some, some intimacy to multiply. There's got to be some connecting to reproduce. Amen? You didn't have kids with your clothes on. and on the opposite sides of the house. Are you with me? There had to be some getting close to one another. If I want my kids to be right and to... And to Give, to give God the, the godly offspring that he desires, I've got to get next to them. Come here again. I've got to take my girl on a date. You see, that's what God's been dealing with me about, is I haven't taken my daughters on a date yet. It's been a long time. You know, you know what Virginia said when we were locked up in the house during the snowstorm? <laughs> I mean, me and Cheryl's like, we're about to bite each other's heads. I was <laughs> And Virginia's over there, she's like, oh, this is just so nice. Everybody's in the house together. That's what she wants. You with me? But if I never stop and get here, then how are we going to cross-pollinate? How am I going to transfer over to the next generation? It's got to be intentional. Amen? It's got to be done on purpose. God purposefully gave you Jesus. He purposefully gave you the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It was an intentional thing. Thank you, baby. Relationships have lasting impact. Number three, relationship choices are critical. Man, you got to get this one. You got to be careful the relationships you're choosing. You got to be careful, they're critical. You got to choose your new relationships carefully. You got a drinking problem? You don't need to get around some other guys that have a drinking problem. It's not wise. Quit going to the bar. It's not a good thing. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to get around some people that are spiritually more mature than you are. That can actually breathe a little bit of life and encouragement into you. Amen? I don't see enough of the young generation or the, or the immature believers, and don't take that negative, negatively, but I don't see enough of the immature believers chasing after the ones that are more mature, saying, man, would you, would you link up with me? Would you help me? Listen, I am who I am today because one man decided to spend every Monday night with me. 
and break open God's word and teach me the scriptures and teach me how to study the Bible and how to memorize it and how to pray through a prayer list and how to do all these things. That changed my life. Months before that, I was still smoking dope. Come on. But something changed inside of me and I wanted to be better and I prayed and asked God for help and he sent somebody. It wasn't my first choice. You don't always like the people God sends you. But I thank God for, I spent two years with that guy. Oh man, thank God for that. Changed my life. Your friendships are critical to how healthy you will be spiritually. Watch what Proverbs says about new friends. Proverbs 27, 19 says this. says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. I'll I'll read that one again, just because it was so good. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. What's that say about me? Thank you. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I mean, let me give you parents a little bit of a secret I've just recently learned. You want to know how your kids are going to turn out? Get to know their friends. Let me tell you something. My mama had, there was very few people my mama would let me hang out with. Because she was an investigator. She'd go around and she would investigate. We lived in a small town of Franklin. She'd say, well, who's the... And she'd she start investigating. Well, who is that? How do they treat their kids? They still married. They do this. They do this. daddy drink. And she'd come in, you ain't hanging out with that boy. But mama. You ain't hanging out with that boy. But mama. I don't care. Mama me all you want. You ain't hanging out with that boy. Thank God for that. If you don't know your kids' friends, man, that's living life on the edge. I mean, seriously. This might seem a little bit extreme to you, but it seems perfectly normal to Cheryl and I. Before my kids go sleep at anybody's house, we get to know the parents. Amen? I won't smell the daddy out. Because if he got some little perverted thing on him and my little girl sleeping at his house... Christian or not, that's right, Christian or not. My, and the same thing for my son. He ain't going to somebody's house that got a little perverted thing on him. Not if I can help it. Are you with me? I smell him out. And listen, I love it when, new, when some of her friends' parents come to our house and they want to smell us out. I go, check me out. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. I go, man, that's good. That tells me I can have respect for them. That tells me I can trust them. Because I'm sorry, it's a gross example, but dogs get around each other and they smell each other, right? I'm going to smell you. If you ain't smelling me, I'm thinking you don't care. Right? It's it's the parents that say, oh yeah, you can go sleep in the house. I go, what? Am I just weird? Here's some questions that relate to your relationship. Some questions you need to ask yourself. I'm going to wrap it up with these three questions this morning. You getting something yet? 
Relationships are important and they're spiritual. First question you need to ask yourself, am I nurturing important relationships? Are you taking care of your wife and kids or your husband and kids? Are you nurturing those things? You know what that means? Are you, are you taking care? Care of it. Like, are you caring for your relationship? Is your relationship with your wife healthy or unhealthy? You following me? And when you see some areas that are unhealthy, when you really care for that relationship, you take care of that, right? You address that. You, you, you fix that. You change that. You do whatever you have to do because it's, it's kind of like plants or animals. When you care for plants or animals, when you see something getting on them, you do what? You either get some chemical to get it off of them or you peel it off yourself. Why? Because you want it to be healthy. Are you nurturing your important relationships? If your kids have become silent and they don't want to talk to you anymore, are you stopping the rest of your world to go and take care of that? Come on. Listen, I know my kids well enough and we got a long area to grow. I mean, a lot, a lot of room to grow, but I know them well enough. I know each one of them. Virginia, when she gets upset, she gets quiet. So when Virginia gets quiet, we kind of get off to the side. Is there anything bothering you? Did I say anything to hurt you? And my son, if he starts acting just crazy, just goofy, just like rebellious, there's something on him. There's something bothering him. So we pull him to the side and say, hey, what's, what's wrong, bud? What's on your mind? Something's bothering you. That's nurturing. You with me? That's taking care. And even when everything's fine, are you going along and spraying a little fertilizer on them and saying, hey, boy, you look good today, boy. Whoo, you almost look good as your daddy. <laughs> My little girl says, whoo, whoo, you look good. I like that dress. You with me? With my wife. You know what I'm saying. I ain't saying that. I'm going to stop. Are you nurturing important relationships in your life? If you knew what goes through my mind when I'm preaching, dear goodness. The important relationships in your life are the ones that the enemy is attacking. If you want to know what's important to God, look at what the enemy's coming after. Look at what you're struggling at the most. Because those are the important ones. Because he's not wasting his time on the ones that don't matter. Spend time with your kids. Take your wife on a date more than once a year. Nurture the important relationships. Let me give you 15 marriage builders real quick. Number one, men, your wife's probably writing this down. The first point would be good for you to write this down. I'll give you a second to get a pen and a paper. Please, man, I beg of you now, start writing. Take notes. This is going to mean a lot if you just take the notes. I don't see enough of you guys writing. You're thinking I'm joking. I'm serious. 15 marriage builders. Number one, love God. Number two, start each day with a hug. Number three, 
Say, I love you every time you part ways. Number four, compliment often. Number five, live each day as if it's your last. Number six, go on a date every week. Every week, pastor? Every week. Number seven, stop and smell the roses. If you don't have any, plant some. Number eight, kiss unexpectedly. I have no problem with that one. Amen? I'm just like, anyway. Number nine, apologize sincerely. Don't clown when you apologize and don't still look frustrated when you apologize. This, this and this don't work. Sorry. That don't work. That gets you deeper. Amen, ladies? I'm sorry. See, if I say that to my wife, she goes, sorry for what? Well, uh, <laughs> number 10, be forgiving. Here comes a doozy, guys. You really need to write this one down. I don't know how this one got in here, but I didn't write this one. But number 11, guys, let her give you directions when you're lost. Let her give you directions when you're lost. I'm going to have to talk to whoever wrote this. Number 12, ladies, laugh at his jokes. He may have alligator humor, some people say. 13, guys, ask her to marry you again. Ladies, say yes. Number 14, <laughs> my wife and I have this thing. I go, uh, if we've kind of frustrated each other, I'll, I'll look at her and go, you still love me? She goes, oh, yeah, I still love you. And so if I really want to know, I said, do you still like me? That's up in the air right now. You see, she never stops loving me, but she might not like me in the midst of loving me. You with me? Number 15, never go to bed mad. Even if you got to call it a truce, I mean something. I can't tell you how many times we've been up till midnight trying to work something out. I guess midnight's when you get desperate. I don't know. That's when the flesh starts dying at midnight or something. But, but you got to throw a log on the fire in your important relationships. You got to rekindle them. You got to stir them up. You got to do something new. Let me tell you something. As a man, that, that just doesn't come natural to me. Okay? I just don't lie awake at night thinking of new ways to take my wife out or new things to do. I've got to try to work at that. And you know what she wants from me? She wants, this is what my wife wants. Okay. It doesn't matter where we go. This is what matters. If I call the babysitter and set it up, if I plan it without her knowing and then come home and say, Hey, Friday night, girl, it's me and you. And it's on like Donkey Kong. We going out. And my kids, my kids know how to go. Ooh, mom and daddy going on a hot date. That's what they say in my house. Y'all going on a hot date? Yep, and y'all going to Mimi's house. <laughs> but that's what she wants. She just wants me to plan the whole thing. Right? I remember one time I planned this, this trip to Baton Rouge. <laughs> and I just got my iPad. I went on this app to get a hotel room. And I, we're going to spend the night in Baton Rouge. Man, I booked it all. I'm so proud of myself. I'm puffed up. Man, it's going to be the best weekend. I'm the man. We ended up in the hood. <laughs> in the handicap room. I thought I was getting a deal. <laughs> I got a deal, but man, the room was big. <laughs> the bathroom was big. And was, 
I just, when we drive it, I'm not going, oh, God. Sorry, baby. <laughs> and on the other hand, I was going, okay, maybe she won't expect me to do this anymore. <laughs> just picking. Write this down. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. If you've got relationships that are a wreck, then that says that the quality of your life is not up to par. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. This is for teenagers also. All you teenagers in here, look at me. If you and mama and daddy aren't getting along, then you need to improve the quality. Right? It's not just mom and daddy's responsibility to come to you and make everything right. It's your responsibility to go to them and try to make things right. There is nothing wrong with a teenager repenting. In fact, if you did it, you would probably send your parents to the ER room. And you might get anything you want. If you just come up and say, you know, I had an attitude when you told me to take out the garbage the other day. Dad, I'm sorry. He might pull his wallet out. I mean, you never know. You don't know what will happen. Galatians 5 says this, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. That's good. It's to the point. Serve one another in love. And it says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That means as much as you love you and you take care of you, you need to be taking care of them. I mean, it doesn't get any plainer than that, right? As much as you love you, you need to be loving and serving them. Amen? Number two, am I, am I severing harmful relationships? Now, this is a, this is a tricky one because you, you can go to a church that says, you know what, you need to get rid of all your heathen friends. You need, to, you need to get away from those crazy folk. And you can isolate yourself so much that you never get to reach the friends that God gave you. Right? But at the same time, if you keep those relationships, they can destroy you. Right? There's a healthy balance in there. For, for, for me personally, it was a time where I had to separate myself for a season. And I heard everything like, oh, you a holy roller now? Oh, you going to church? You too good to hang out with me? I heard all those things. I heard people in that process. But you know what? I can't reach them if, if I myself aren't reached. I can't help somebody else get out the mud if I don't have my feet solid on the ground. Right? There may be a season that you need to go and get healthy before you go back to those relationships. And even when you go back, you got to be careful. Why? Because seeds are falling. Just like in Genesis. Seeds are falling. I can get around my family. The family that God took me from. I can go spend time with them. And I don't know why this happens, but it's like instantly. I start hearing the old me come back up. Those attitudes, that barking, that roughness. That prideful thing that I got to be better than them. Right? Man, that thing just come. Why? I'm like, why does that come up so easy and not the good stuff? Because it's a choice. Am I severing harmful relationships? 
Sometimes you got to break the cycle. I don't care if you hurt people's feelings or not. These friends are causing you to compromise what you believe about God. And since I'm talking about teenagers this morning, we happen to have a few of them in here. Let me tell you something about popularity. If you're not careful, popularity will take Jesus smooth from you. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he took it from me. As a teenage boy, I was born and raised in the church, saved at 12 years old. Raised by a single mom. I was in church three times on Sunday. I didn't need any more church. I needed a relationship with Jesus. And the little bit of relationship I had with Jesus wasn't enough for me to be cool and still love Jesus. Are you hearing me? I compromised. I compromised. I let go of some things that were valuable and I compromised. Let me tell you something. It starts small. It starts so small. And before you know it, you've gone so far. And you've been taken away. You need to sever those relationships. You don't need to, you don't need to be popular. That doesn't matter. Amen? And that applies to us old folk too, right? Because we're still trying to be popular. We're still trying to be cool. I still try to wear things that make me look young. Just not orange shirts. That's right, Miss Jill. I hope that helps you. I mean, I just, it's not important. Relationships are spiritual and they will affect you. The good and the bad ones. So what does the Bible say about friends? Let's look at this real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. These are some good verses. I would encourage you to memorize these verses. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians that don't, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come on. Listen, I can't go walk to my pig pen and feed my pigs and not get some kind of dirt on me. Right? Because one of them's going to come up and he's going to nose me on the back of the leg. And one of them, I have a big old nose spot on the back of my leg. In other words, you can't go hang out with your old friends and expect not to be affected. And expect not to be touched. Come on. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Do you want to be wise? Walk with the wise. If you like suffering, keep walking with the fools. Proverbs 12, 26 says, A righteous man is cautious in friendships. In other words, he doesn't give his friendship away easily. The type of guy I am is, is, is it takes me a while to trust somebody. But I can guarantee you this much. When I do finally decide to trust you, it's a done deal. I trust you. But I'm going to take my time and make up my mind about you until I know. But when I know, I trust you. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? That's the sticky area, y'all. I'm telling you, you got to be careful. Jesus himself could go sit at a tax collector's house with a bunch of sinners and, and incredible things would happen. Okay. And he could come out of that not affected. I don't know if I can do that. Are you with me? 
I got to be careful with that. I really feel like I'm just getting to the point in my life where I can go sitting in somebody's house like that and not be so much affected, but actually have the greater impact. Come on. But that's taking a lot of maturity. That's taking a lot of things being pulled out of me. Right. You got to be careful. I'm not saying this is what I want you to understand. I'm not saying you got to put up the cross and hold people back like they're a bunch of demons because Jesus didn't do that. He did that to the religious people. Right. But I'm saying you got to be careful. You got to keep your guard up a little bit. You got to know that you're there and you're the impactor, not the one being impacted. Does that make sense? And when the, the heat gets a little too hot, you might need to just leave. Even if it's awkward. Spend time with the, the important relationships and sever the hormones. Number three, final one. Am I initiating meaningful relationships? This is a good one because you don't need to avoid the relationships that you need. You see, there's all kinds of relationships that we need. There's people we need to really connect ourselves to, but we don't want to. You want to know why? Because there's some people that pull out the good in us and we don't want the good to come out. Right? I love my pastor dearly. Okay? But can I be honest with you? There's times I don't want to go hang out with him. You know why? Because he'll tell me, man of God... You still ain't lost that weight yet. Man of God, you're a little bit rough with your kids. Can I just be honest and tell you, I don't want to hear that. Right? I don't want to hear that. I don't want somebody pulling this bad stuff out of me. I just want to keep it hidden for a little while. But you know what? If I neglect those relationships, I'm really neglecting myself. Because I need some people to tell me when my breath stinks. Come on. I need somebody to tell me when something's coming that's hanging out of my nose. I need somebody to tell me that. Somebody that loves me enough to tell me the truth. Right? Don't neglect those relationships. In fact, you need to pursue them. They're relationships that you need. You know, February 23rd, we're going to be starting our life groups. I reach life groups and I encourage you to get into a life group. You know why? Because you need to build a relationship with some other people in the church. I don't know if you realize this, but the people you're sitting in the church with need to be some of your best friends. Because God put you here for that reason. If you come to this church and you're not friends with anybody, then I kind of go. It says, it says to me, do you even like us? I'm just being honest. I mean, do you, you even like us? I mean, why do you come to church here? You don't want to be friends with anybody? Well, I know that's kind of crude, but it's the truth. I'm not worried about your feelings today. Amen? This is what I believe. If God plants you in a church, then he wants you to grow in that church. He wants you to co-mingle with the people in that church. In other words, there's some relationships in this body of believers that you need to be a part of. Some of them you need to give to and some of them you need to receive from. Come on. 
If I want a better marriage, I need to get around somebody who's got a better marriage than me. Somebody that I look up to in their marriage and I say, hey, i got to give me some of that. Right? I want to be a better parent. I need to get around somebody who's good at parenting. Say, hey, you know, can we just hang out? It don't have to be weird. Just go hang out. I don't know if that makes sense. but Proverbs 18.24 says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to get this. If you get nothing else today, I want you to get this. You don't need a bunch of casual acquaintances. You need some good friends. Because good friends are there to pick you up when you fall. Good friends are there when your life comes crumbling down to encourage you and to help you. Good friends are there to tell you the truth at times when you need to hear the truth. Right? But let me tell you about another friend. John 15 says this. This is the coolest thing ever. It says, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. You know who said that? Jesus said that. He said, I'm not calling you a servant anymore. I'm not keeping you in the slave quarters anymore. I'm calling you a friend. And when he calls you a friend, you now have the right to come into the house. He now says you got refrigerator rights. You can come into my house and you can open the fridge and get you. If you're thirsty, just go get you something to drink. If you're hungry, you can go into my pantry and get you something there. Jesus himself, almighty, calls you his friend. Because it's important. You know why? When you're friends with Jesus, you know what gets deposited? You know what gets sown into your life? Good seeds. Good seeds get dropped into your life. What does that mean? That means I get to keep producing good fruit and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply because I'm connected, right? My friend is Jesus. He's depositing things inside of me that are going to produce good fruit. So I guess the opposite would be true that if he's not my friend and I'm not close to him, then really what's getting deposited into my life? Right? Is he a long distant friend to you today? Is he somebody you keep kind of over there in your 911 box? And you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a, a buddy who's a cop. And when you get a speeding ticket, the only time you call him is when you need a ticket fixed, right? You know, sometimes we treat Jesus like that. We believe that scripture and we say, man, Jesus is my friend. Woo! And I call him every time I get in trouble. And the whole time he's over there going, really? I'm just your 911? I'm just your emergency call? When the truth of the matter is, and when you get next to him, and you stay close to him, and you get close to Jesus and you stay in a relationship with him. You see, you got to stay, you got you to keep touching. It's kind of like when it's cold in the bed. You gotta, unless she's got cold feet, then you run from her. But, you know, you, you, you stay close and you snuggle and, and you do those. Why? Because you're helping each other, right? 
when you stay close to Jesus, your friend, good things are being transferred into your life. Good seeds are being transferred. So, so the result of that is this. I can be a better husband. I can be a better daddy. And this is how it works. When, when I'm with Jesus and I'm rubbing up against Jesus and, and I get all these good deposits in me, I turn around and go get next to my wife and I deposit those into my wife, right? And then I go get around my kids and I spend some time with my kids and I get next to them and we, we rub off on each other a little bit. I make good deposits into them. Where does it start? It starts with Jesus. Your, your most important relationship is your relationship with God and Jesus. Amen? Your second most important is your relationship with your wife. Your third is your children. Those are the important relationships in your life. And you need to nurture. You need to take care of those. Because let me tell you something. However those are, says a lot about how you are. And I get caught up in the whole thing of thinking that everything's fine. You know, the squeaking wheel gets the grease. If she's not fussing, then everything's fine. I'm doing my job. But I've learned lately that when she gets quiet, sometimes it's because she's hurt. Sometimes it's because she feels neglected. Sometimes I haven't nurtured her. Right? time for new friends. Amen. Make Jesus your best friend. Make him the one you spend most of your time with and see what happens to the rest of them. Right? It's not all to give you hope. That ought to encourage you. How many of you say just, just this morning, how many of you would say my marriage can be better? Raise your hand. It's important to raise your hand, men. Just trust me. Please raise your hand. Just like taking it. Please. How many of you would say that my relationship with my children could be better? That doesn't change because you muscle it. That doesn't change because you try harder. That changes when you get closer to your best friend. Amen. So don't go home and, and try to fix everything and put it in new boxes and say, well, I'm getting some new friends and it's not going to work. What you need to do today is you need to leave here and you need to go, I'm getting closer to Jesus. So what does that mean, Pastor? I'm going to give it to you real quick. That means that you start spending the first fruits of your day with him. I heard, I've been reading a book a good friend gave me. And there's, there's two quotes I wanted to give you this morning. The first one says that, and it's, it's kind of a prophetic book, and, and in the book it's kind of like God speaking, and, and he says, you need to fill my cup before you ask me to fill your cup. Isn't that good? And then the other one says this, he says, you need to seek my face before you seek my hand. Man, that's rich. Because you know what? So many times I come to him and I pray. I said, I sit, sit down and go, hey, Lord, I need this. I need that. I need this. It's kind of like the, the, the guy at the parts counter. You just run up and say, hey, man, how you doing? Good. Okay, I need this, this, and this. When he's going, come on. Can't can we just talk a little bit? We'll get to that. But I, I just I want you to fill my cup. I want you to seek my face. In other words, I want you to spend time with me because you want to be with me. 
Right? It's as simple as that. That's what you do. You just go and spend more time with Jesus. And you just hang on to those things that you need. You just just put them to the side. Say, okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But let's, it's me and you, God. You may need to put on some music. You may need to sing a little bit. Pray in tongues. I would encourage that. Maybe just shut up and listen. Right? My youngest daughter, she's she's funny. She's at a stage now. She wants to tell you everything. It's a thousand words a minute. Sometimes I got to look at her and go, Anna, baby, stop. Okay? Just nobody can keep up. Just stop. And bless her heart. I mean, she she just loves talking about things. And and sometimes you got to go, stop, baby. You just, just listen for a minute, okay? Sometimes we need to do that. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? This is our last week of our new series, and... We've talked about a new faith and we've talked about new fitness and new finances and, and new friends and God has made us new. We just need to connect with that and start living new, right? Start making new choices and getting into new relationships with, with Jesus. I know some of you are struggling today. In your relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, honestly, I just want to take a minute. Can you give me a minute? Thank you, Wayne. I just want to take a minute. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Can I do that? So listen, every, every head bow, all your eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you just, you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus, it's just not the priority you've always wanted it to be. I just want you to raise your hand. I don't think I need to go any further than that because that's where everything starts. Raise your hand. Don't put it down. Keep it up high. If that's you this morning, you're saying, man, you know, I want more. I want to go to a deeper place with you, Jesus. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now, you see this, Lord. You see the hunger and the desire to go further, to go deeper, to get closer, Lord. Father, I just speak grace over everyone here. Just raising their hand. Grace, Lord. I pray that, Father, you would just give us your grace. That, Lord, when we don't feel like spending time with you, when we, when we got too much to do, Lord, we'll just, we'll, we'll sense your grace and we'll just sit down and say, you know what? I got to take care of number one first. Lord, I thank you because I know that when we show up, you show up. And Father, when you knock on the door and we open the door, you come in, Lord. You don't just knock on the door and run. You come in and you sit at the table with us and you dine with us and we dine with you and we have this holy moment together. I pray for those moments for this church, for these body of believers. I pray if you stir up a hunger in us like we've never known before, Lord. That, Father, the more we spend time with you, the more we read your word, the more we pray, Father, the hungrier we get for you. The more this world just seems to fade away. 
And the more the, the things that are so important to you become so important to us. I pray that over this church, Lord. Help us to live like we're new, Lord. Not going back to those old ways, making those old decisions and, and, and hanging out with those old friends anymore, Lord. Help us to live new. New in you, Lord. Because all we need is found in you, Jesus. It's found in you, Jesus. Thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for this series. Thank you for how it's changing our lives. Thank you for the next generations that are going to be a change just because of this word, just because of this season, just because of this series, Lord. Generations are going to change. No more curses, Lord, just blessings. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.